0: You're listening to a message from New Life Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. Please get your pens, your Bibles, your Justice in the Heart of God booklets, because you are going to want to remember and reflect on this, out. And please give a very warm Canby Foursquare welcome to Pastor Jenna Anderson. Well, good morning. It's such a nice introduction. Thank you, Joy. Um, I was here last year when you guys had the Justice Conference, so it's so good to be back. And last time I was pregnant. So I'm not pregnant, which is great, but I might be covered in spit-up because our daughter is gifted in that way. Um, <laughs> I actually feel like I'm not totally. My husband's like, I'll just hold her so you're not covered. Thank you. Thank um, it's so fun to be here. And I was thinking um, this message I'm sharing today is about mercy. And um, on our staff at church, sometimes we do Myers-Briggs test. And it kind of helps us as a team members working together um, in the offices and stuff to kind of figure out personalities and stuff. I thought it was a little bit ironic and probably the Holy Spirit's sense of humor that I was doing the test just this week as I was preparing for this around the same time. And Um, If you've ever done it before, there's a section that has two different words, um, question after question. And they say, whichever question resonates more with you, you know, circle that question. And one of the actual questions was justice versus mercy, which, of course, I wanted to circle mercy, but I had to be honest. And so I'm more of a justice person. I'm kind of a black and white thinker, and I like to right wrongs. Um, But I felt like, isn't it uh, just like the Holy Spirit to remind us that we all need Uh, the work of Jesus' mercy to flow through us. And maybe you're sitting in your seat today and you're like, I'm a a mercy person, so this is easy for me. But I uh, titled this message Choose Mercy because for me I have to choose. And I love that you guys are diving deeper into this idea of justice in the heart of God and what what does that mean, not just um, in concept, but in practical ways. How do we take um, what God has stirred in our hearts and go outside these doors and figure out where does it work and how do we do it? And so I love that. Um, Like Joy mentioned, I served overseas for five years as a missionary. I lived in a village, and I loved it. Um, It was amazing. It was challenging. Um, if you go to another culture, you're aware of things that you would be more aware of than if you were in your own culture, which makes sense. Um, and so living in villages made me very aware of brokenness in different ways than even in America. And I remember I had just arrived in Botswana, and I was, was my first Saturday Um, in the village. I was hanging laundry, and we had a huge um, metal uh, security gate, and so whenever it opened, there was not a mystery. It was quite loud, and so this one particular Saturday just arrived, and this, the door squeaked open quite loud, and in walked uh, this teenage girl uh, with a baby, and it was the cutest baby I'd ever seen, so of course I was like in, right, (laughs) Um, and so I'm chatting with this girl, and came to find out she was a neighbor. Her name was Abalia, And Abalia lived with her mom, who was really, really sick. They lived down the street in a concrete building. I remember the door was kind of, I think it had one hinge attaching. Um, It was quite a drastic uh, home life and situation. And they were hungry, they were hurting, they were broken. And I remember, because um, it's common, uh, being the new American in the village, um, I could tell that Abalia thought that I had all the funding in the world to help her. Um, And so she was recounting to me all of their troubles and needed money for this and needed money for that, and um, I didn't have anything to give her, Um, but I sat with her. I just, I spent some time with her, and I remember um, even after the first week of um, those few visits of just getting to know this girl and thinking, gosh, this is an overwhelming situation, and what am I going to be able to do? I'm just one person. I can't change this for her. Um, she was busy going around and trying to get support and help from all the men in the village. And there was just a lot of brokenness. Um, and I remember praying and just thinking, God, um, why did you send her down the street? And um, the other thing about Abelia's visits is they were always at the worst time. I don't know if anyone ever has that experience, but every time the gate opened or if the gate was closed, she would yell over the gate. Um, it was always right as dinner was ready or right as I sat down to do something, you know, that was, I needed focus for or whatever. It was always the worst timing. And so um, again and again, I would have to make a decision about what to do when Abelia came around. And that's the thing with mercy is that mercy is inconvenient. It's not scheduled. It interrupts. It can be annoying um, it might show up in the the face of a homeless man on the side of the road when you're late to an appointment and you feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to do something, but your watch is still ticking. It might come if you have been overseas and and there's you know children asking for money and the destitute in the in third world countries. It might come that way. It might also come just in your neighbor, maybe your neighbor that's gotten a bad diagnosis and 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 seems a little bit off. And and also might come from a family member who maybe offended you years ago and is trying to reach out through relationship. The needs of mercy are all around us. And the thing that's tricky about it is that we have to choose it. We have to be aware of it. I was thinking about this morning as we sang how much God loves us and what an amazing thing that not only we have the freedom to gather together this morning and to, to understand the extent as much as we can of the way that God loves us, but when I really, truly start to think about the mercy and the grace that God has extended to me, how can I not be a person of mercy? But it's hard. Am I right? It's not my natural thing. And if, if it is for you, then I love you. <laughs> but it's hard for me. I have to choose it. I think sometimes there's obstacles. There's tensions in our lives that make us not respond quickly. Um, we, live, we love living in Bend. It's a beautiful place to live. And in the summer, it is crazy probably because of wonderful people like you that come and visit, and we love it. But it is crazy, and I can tell you when the tourists come to town, my desire to have mercy for the traffic and the people that are cutting me off and that are in the line at Target when I need to grab something for my baby, it is hard to be merciful, and it's hard to be merciful when the insurance company messes up anyone else all the time. Um, It's really challenging because the truth is that it's unscheduled, and it's going to be an annoyance if we let it. And yet it's the way of Jesus. And as Christ followers, he is calling us today to be people who slow down enough to let the Holy Spirit sow something in us called mercy. Sometimes it's challenging because it means that if we extend mercy, if we are kind, we are forgiving, we are compassionate, it doesn't guarantee that we get something in return. Sometimes God God asks us to extend mercy to someone that actually doesn't even receive it well. Um, I was sharing a story I will share in a second um, about a time that I um, felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to do something for a homeless person. And in the last service, someone came up to me and said, you know, our Bible study made these little homeless kits. It was so great. And I got all nervous this one day. I feel like God said I should give this homeless kit, kit to a man. So I rolled out my window, and I'm thinking, I'm going to do it, this woman said. So she, hands- she says, I have something for you to this man. And the man looked at it, looked at what was in the bag, and then went, I don't want it, and handed it back to her. Okay, how awful is that? But the truth is God was seeing her heart, right? So sometimes when we extend mercy, even when we go to the effort of being merciful people, maybe the response is not what we're expecting. But the point is that the heart of God overflows with mercy. I think sometimes for us, you might find yourself in a season where you feel like you have nothing to offer and you think, how could I actually pour out on someone else? So these tensions, these things that oppose the heart of God of mercy and grace and compassion, um, it could make us feel like, well, <laughs> let's just wrap this up because we're all going to be bad at it. Sorry. Sorry, God. But that's not what we want to do today. Today, we want to look at some scripture. We want to listen to some um, just things that God's put on my heart to share with you today. And more than anything, we want to say, God, we are a broken people and we want to look like you. Jesus, we want to look more like you. Are you right? Are you with me? Let me pray real quick. God, we um, right now ask that your Holy Spirit would speak the very words that our hearts need to hear. You know, God, each person in this room and where they're coming from and how they're wired and what their natural tendencies are. But, Lord, we believe that your Spirit is stronger than our flesh. And so we ask even right now, God, that you would start to shape our hearts, that we would look more like you as we leave this place, that we would look more like you as we walk out these truths this week. Holy Spirit, speak in this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, would you turn your Bibles or your Bible apps this morning? We're going to look at um, the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. Um, and as you're turning there, I want to give you a little background. So, we, we drop into this book of Micah. It's a prophetic book of the Bible um, and it's God speaking to his people through this prophet. And the thing that's interesting as we, we hear these words that I'm about to read to you is that um, the culture of which Micah is speaking to is a culture that is um, steeped in discrimination and division. And not only that, based upon castes and socioeconomic lines, but also culture and under, misunderstandings across re- religions and all of that, but even more so... Um, The culture, even within God's people who he's speaking to, is that they are convinced that if they just keep trying harder, they can make amends for all the things they've done to offend God. And so um, God begins by saying, hey, you are my people, I love you, Um, you can't make amends, you can't do enough things, you can't obey enough laws or do enough sacrifices to make it okay, and he reminds them that he has been faithful, that he has delivered them, and that he. Uh, their response to him was failure. They were faithless to him, and so that's where these people are coming from. They're trying really hard to make things right, and and Micah speaks um, about this ideal of religion that kind of boils down. What is it that God would ask of us? So let's read this somewhat familiar scripture, verse six or chapter six, verse eight. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Now remember, this culture is probably expecting, maybe like you are, a long list. What does God want us to do to make it right? And he says you can't, but what you can do is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Today we're talking about that middle section, to love mercy, to love and diligently practice kindness and compassion. I don't know about you, but when I think about the world outside those doors, they are in desperate need of that very thing. We don't need more judgment. We don't need more division. We don't need more opinions or Facebook posts or anything like that. We need kindness. We need mercy. We need grace. And you and I have been shown such extravagant love, and we are meant to be the people that change that world. I believe if we really understood that, that we would be eager and open and looking out just like Jesus did to say, God, where do you want your mercy extended? I remember when I went to college, I was a freshman in college, and it was a pretty selfish uh, season of my life. Sometimes I think that can happen when you're on your own, away from your parents for the first time, and um, I was trying to find a home church at the time, and um I was kind of displaced I'd grown I grew up at Beaverton Foursquare had been there my whole life and everyone knew my name and then I went to San Diego and no one cared at all and I was trying to find a church that you know was preaching I loved and worship and yada 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 anyway so I was pretty lost I felt honestly abandoned by God I needed some answers I needed some direction I needed that warm fuzzy feeling in my heart um and I just remember thinking God where are you you sent me all the way to San Diego. I'm working really hard in school, and I feel displaced. Um, and so somehow I thought, well, in the past when I felt like this, it helped to kind of get get my eyes off myself. And so I signed up to serve um, food to the homeless, some homeless men in downtown San Diego on Wednesday nights. And so I had been going every week and developing a relationship with these men, and it was really good for me. It was good to stop thinking about myself and start looking at people, you know, in different situations and hear their stories and build relationship, and I remember this one specific night. Um, I was there talking with someone I knew, and it was kind of an interesting demographic, college students and homeless men um, in this inner city place, and we're all crammed together, and this night we had served them food, and It was a stew, which I apologize if anyone was there. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry for the food we fed you. But we were, our hearts were right, you know. So we fed them the stew. I saw out of the corner of my eye this man who was in a wheelchair, um, was new. I'd never noticed him before. And he was eating the stew. No one was talking to him. And he started to choke. I don't know if it went down the wrong tube or whatever. But out of the corner of my eye, I could see he choked. And then he threw up all over himself, um, and it was real, have you ever been in one of those situations that are super awkward and you notice that everyone's like super interested in something over here and everyone turns like this This is such a fascinating thing you're saying all of a sudden because my back is this way. And, um, so I noticed, and I don't, I have a baby now, so I have to do throw up, but at that time I did not do throw up. Like, I don't know if anyone else has like an aversion to that, but I don't do well. And somehow I don't know, I must've been the Holy Spirit, like shoving me out of this seat, but I got up to help before I could tell myself I didn't want to. Um, And I helped clean the man off. And I remember it had gotten onto the carpet. It was similar to this kind of a, a shallow carpet. And I leaned down to clean the vomit up off the floor. And 14 years later, I remember it sounded as clear as day, like the audible voice of God. And I heard Jesus say, here I am. He met me here, cleaning up vomit off the floor. And I grew up in a church. I went to camps. I've had mountaintop experiences. And that is the moment, 14, year, 14 years later, where I remember God speaking. He said, I'm here. When you humble yourself, you will meet me. When we extend acts of mercy and we become like Jesus in a small way, his presence is present. And the thing is, we encounter him in that place. We will find him. And it will change us forever forever. God encouraged me. He spoke to me. It was in that place where mercy was being extended, where I needed to find him most. And so I want to encourage you today. If you're feeling like, I don't hear him, I feel like he's far off, maybe you need to kneel somewhere. Maybe you need to serve somewhere. Maybe you need to extend a hand of mercy and find him in that place. The second thing that is beautiful about being people of mercy is that it echoes his character, In Micah 6, 8, it says, what is required of us? The problem is, if I say to Jesus, when it comes to Myers-Briggs, I'm not super merciful. He doesn't give me like a pass. He says, it's required of you because you have received mercy. You get to be mercy. And when we look at the character of Jesus, we look at his life as he walked around earth. If you notice something that is not true of me most of the time is that Jesus was constantly interrupted. And inconvenienced and thrown off. And um, even when he was mourning the death of his cousin, there were people that were hungry and needed healing. And all throughout the Gospels, it says he was moved by compassion. He extended mercy. We look at these scriptures, Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. That alone is reason. Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Luke 6, verse 36, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Matthew 9, verse 13, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. As we think about story after story in the Gospels, Jesus healed the lepers He forgave the woman caught in adultery. He went into the cemetery and delivered the man who was possessed. It was mercy, mercy, mercy. If anyone had right to judge, it was Jesus. And he always extended mercy. He saw the person in the way that God sees them. He saw the value on their lives. No matter what condition they were in, he extended it. It was like breathing in and out for him. And I believe that as we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, that it should be that way for us as well. I actually believe that if we were people of mercy, that our lives would become like a window where people could see very clearly the mercy, the kindness, the love, the grace, the compassion of our God. Amen? They should. And we have the capacity to do that, which is amazing to me, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Lives were transformed when Jesus did this. The entire culture was flipped upside down by one merciful act at a time. He didn't go to the government. He went to the woman in the dirt. And and we know, obviously, that that there was an uproaring, an impact that went beyond generations. So what if we really understood that we could be a part of that same thing in our culture? Because I believe our culture is even more in desperate need of mercy and even more in need of grace. As we begin to capture the heart of God for the people around us, I also believe that mercy fuels reconciliation it allows us to actually be conduits who remind people of the value that they have in Christ, whether they know him or not. You actually get to be someone that that restores value that's been stolen from the enemy. When there's someone walking around that thinks their life is not worth it or, or they're not seen by the loving God that we know, he sees them. And we get to be reminders of that. I remember this one day, I had um, just had lunch with friends and was driving home, was probably late to something because we're always in a hurry, right? And I remember seeing this man who was often in this one spot in Bend, and um, I was on this side of traffic, and he was all the way over there, and I, saw, I noticed him, and then I ignored him, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, buy that man a burger, and um, I didn't want to. <laughs> I had leftovers, and has anyone been like, I'll give you my leftovers, and they were nice. Like, I spent a lot of money on them, so I thought, well, maybe I could give them my leftovers, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, buy that man a burger. And I'm just being honest with you, I didn't want to, and I kept driving. And the funny thing is that somehow God wants us to learn things he will figure out a way, and so I got every red light, so every time I'd stop, I'd hear the Holy Spirit say, you know the man back there, buy that man a burger. So eventually, eventually, I turned all the way around, I went back, and, and truthfully, my heart wasn't even in the right spot. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I was pretty annoyed. I was late to something else. I went back and bought a burger. I went all the way around to where he was, and I rolled down the window, and I'm thinking, what am I going to tell him? And so because I was kind of annoyed, and it wasn't like, wasn't, I wasn't being heroic, I was just trying, begrudgingly obedient to the Holy Spirit, I said to him, Jesus Jesus wants you to have a burger. And then I did say, he sees you. And the thing that was remarkable as I drove away from that moment was not only the Holy Spirit being gracious to me for my bad attitude, but in that moment and that burger, I mean that burger is going to fill his stomach for an hour or two, but I felt like the Holy Spirit said that burger anointed by God out of obedience to his spirit actually becomes a bridge across those Barriers. And that man may think of that burger, he may not, but he knew in that moment that there's a God who sees him, and maybe he wanted a burger. And so we get to do things like that. I feel like it's almost like we get to be in on the conspiracies of mercy, like, God, who needs a burger? (laughs) Who needs to be reminded right now that they are deeply loved by the Father, just like I know I am? And so I would encourage you not to to wait too long (laughs) like I did. But in general, what I want to say to you is it doesn't have to be complicated, the beautiful thing is when we walk out lives of mercy and grace and compassion in ordinary ways, in small ways, God breathes on those things. And they have a lasting impact. They will change lives. Um, when, we, when we allow this reconciliation to happen through acts of mercy, it's like those debts that were owed or the things we expect in return in our culture, those things go away. An authentic relationship can happen. Even as I think about your guys' opportunity to go into the park and, and go across cultural lines with the Hispanic community, when, when they don't feel like they owe you anything and vice versa, then you just get to be friends. You just get to be family. You get to experience the commonality of humanity. And you get to remind those people in your community how deeply loved they are. Um, God has called us. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, it says that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now the thing is, I didn't preach to that man, I just handed him a burger. But I have to believe that out of obedience to Christ, that God's going to do something in those acts. It makes a difference. When we are vastly assured, even like we sang this morning, about the deep love that God has for us, when we slow down enough and we say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to the needs around me, to the people around me, I believe that God will flow through us in supernatural ways. Um, And it can seem complicated, it can seem lofty, but I'm going to give you some ideas. Acts of mercy can flow through a humble listening ear. Um, You probably can tell, but I like to talk. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says to me, you know what's going to be the most merciful thing to you right now is keep your opinion to yourself. So listen. Maybe there's someone in your life that just needs you to listen. Listen. Or maybe there's somebody that needs an encouraging word and you can share that very specific word that the Holy Spirit places on your heart. Maybe there's a physical need. Maybe there's a neighbor that needs you to come pick their weeds for them. And that act of mercy is going to be a physical representation of God's love for them. Maybe it's a prayer prayed in in the secret, just secret places at your house where no one knows, you don't get credit, but you know it's going to make a difference. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to be willing to be open to in unexpected places. The needs of mercy are all around us, and they're going to keep coming. I think the more broken and the more divided and the more hurting our world is, the more God is calling you and I to step up and be people of mercy. And so my encouragement to you today is to not save the world. <laughs> that's a lot to ask. Um, but God, when I think about um, God's heart and I think about the way that Jesus functioned, I know for me, he has encouraged me to look for the one. Uh, before I moved back to Africa the second time, I really felt like God burdened my heart for the AIDS and HIV crisis in Africa. And that's a really big thing, Right. The entire continent is being ravaged, not to mention the world. And I remember just feeling so broken. I was weeping one night, and I just thought, God, I have to do something. You've entrusted this burden to me. What can I do? And I I was ready to go, but then immediately thought, this is too big. I can do nothing. I'm a small girl from Beaverton, Oregon. And Jesus said to me, I want you to go back to Africa, and I want you to look at the one in front of you. If you can make a difference to that one, You can make a difference to the whole situation. So when I went back to Africa, I got to teach abstinence in the schools. got to teach over 500 kids, which was amazing. But even that, it was the one. It was the one. It was the one. And in those moments, the Holy Spirit showed me, what does that one need? Mother Teresa says it this way. I never looked at the masses as my responsibility. I looked at the individual. I can only love one person at a time. Just one, one, one. And so you begin. I began and I picked up one person. Maybe if I didn't pick up that one person, I wouldn't have picked up 42,000. The same goes for you. The same thing for your family, the same for your church, your community. Just begin. One, one, one. God is calling us to put our ear to the ground in our community, to slow down, to ask the Holy Spirit, where are the needs around me? And what needs are you asking me to fill? And they're going to be different than the needs he's asking you to fill. And the thing that's amazing, I call it the conspiracy of mercy because it's not a burden. If you've ever done those things before and you've seen God anoint simple acts, it makes me want to do it more, right? When you see God change a life through a burger, I think, I'm going to buy all the burgers in town. There's not going to be any left. So God stirs your heart, and when you walk in obedience, it makes a difference. So there I was in that village, and the truth is Abelia kept knocking. And I really had a choice. Um, I was sent there to be a youth pastor. I taught in the schools. I was really, really busy. My plate was very full. And I remember thinking, this isn't, I'm not going to go that far with her. She barely understands what I'm saying. The baby keeps spitting up on me, which I didn't understand. That was like a total thing. Um, But in general, I had a choice. I had a choice whether or not I looked the other way or if I leaned in. And so I decided, well, she's going to keep knocking, and it's better to just open the gate. (laughs) And so I leaned in, and I, I asked God, what do you want me to do here? And day by day, he would give me a word, or he would keep me quiet, or I would hold her baby while she went and did something, or just small acts, one by one by one. And the thing that was amazing was when her mom passed away from AIDS, she came down to our house first. And I threw on my skirt and I threw on my head wrap and I went down there and I I squatted in the dirt with the other women in our village and we made bread for the funeral and I was terrible at it. But I was present. And everything else I had planned for that day, nothing got done. But I was present and I was there. And when I think back to the time it took, to the effort it took, and all of the the amounts of heartache that I heard about and the cultural breakdown and HIV and all of the things that Abelia shared with me, Um, I know that she was convinced that there was a God who was present. That Jesus would have thrown on his head wrap and he would have squatted in the dirt with her to be there in the suffering, to be there in the brokenness. And that's what we get to be. We get to be representations of what it looks like when Jesus shows up. There's been so many seasons of my life where I just have prayed, Jesus, can you just put skin on? I just wish you were here, that you could hug me, that you could sit with me, that you could cry with me. And the truth is, we probably all have felt that. But God is calling you and I to be that to others. If we don't, the world will not know him. God is calling us. He's calling us to humble ourselves. He's calling us to get in the dirt. He's calling us to open up our eyes and say, where are the needs and what can I do about them? And it's a delight to be in the conspiracy of mercy, to be a part of what God's already doing around us. I think if we truly understood the fact that God is appointing us, God is calling us and inviting us into this, um, that we would be people of humility, that we would be stirred by the injustices around us, and we would say yes to the hard things. And I believe that mercy would flow. They wouldn't have to be because I circled it on Myers-Briggs or, or because I just chose it every day because I'm disciplined, but because I understood how deeply God loves me and how much mercy has been extended to me. that how could I not? There are people outside those walls that don't understand the grace and mercy of God. They don't understand what we sang this morning. And it makes me want to get going. How about you? It makes me want to slow down and maybe think my personal things are maybe not as important as I think they are. And that's not a guilt thing. It's freeing to understand that we get to be a part of this mission of God, that our tiny story gets to join His big story. He is on mission to redeem this world, and you and I get to be a part of it. Isn't that amazing? And so I want us to open our hearts today. And I'm going to give you just a couple minutes to share with people around you and kind of allow this message to to go beyond the listening. Um, They're going to put up some questions. And I'm going to give you about four minutes um, to chat with somebody near you. And here's what I want you to ask yourself and maybe share. First of all, what is one merciful act that you could practice this week? It's important for us to take the word of God and say practically, what can we do about it? What is he calling me to do? Secondly, we know that Jesus was attentive to the one person in front of them. Who is the one? It might not be someone you want to admit that is isn't right in front of you, but say yes to Jesus in this moment. And going beyond the one, what injustices in your community or around the world stir your heart to action? What makes you uncomfortable? What keeps you up at night? Or when you read the news, you're, you're like, can't believe this is happening. I bet God is depositing that burden on your heart, and he wants you to do something about it. So you have Four minutes. Share amongst yourselves, and then I'll come back up. Are you feeling stirred? If you feel comfortable, would you put your hand over your heart? I'm going to pray for us. God, we um, are so delighted to be your kids. God, we're so thankful that we get to be um, people who belong to you, Lord. And um, I am the first to admit, God, that I need your heart of mercy to be in my heart. God, we pray today that you would lift our eyes to things above, God, that we would have an understanding of our families, of our friends, of our community, and our world, God, that reflects your heart. God, forgive us for the places where we've turned away or we felt uncomfortable and we, we didn't do what maybe you asked us to do, and I pray that you give us courage. I pray that you would give us just your spirit, Lord, that in those moments where we feel awkward, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, and we would know exactly what you're calling us to do. And I pray that each person that leaves this place, Lord, that, that they would be um, a representation of your mercy and your grace to a hurting and broken world. We thank you for your heart for Camby, and we ask that you would move in powerful ways through this church body, um, that people would be ever more convinced of their value, of the way that you love them, and the purposes that you have for their lives. God, we love you. We're thankful that you choose to use broken people like us. And so we ask that you would use us more. We ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.